1: Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet, is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender, and it continues. To rack up the awards in Atlanta, winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the Best Fried Chicken Award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Ponko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Ponko, their family. And I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um, yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family and I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to, go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Ponco chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also go to chase Thomas podcast.com. I am, uh, I'm writing my ass off there, uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do, what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream. This uh the sports media thing. And um you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated or Fox Sports or The or whoever. Um because I'm not going to quit. I am I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles and just outworking everyone because I just I just want this more and I believe in my product, and I believe in where I'm going. Um, we're over 300 episodes strong, and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down. Take a break, but this is uh, this is my jam, and this is what I want. This is my passion, and uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, um, and join me as i keep climbing the ladder and all of that because i i just i need your support so if you like the podcast keep listening keep subscribing tell tell your friends keep sharing it out keep reading my work and uh yeah so okay all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast (laughs) um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back To a Wednesday night edition of the Chase Most Podcast, Scott Rafferty is back. My Gilmore guy, Scott. Good evening. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm good, man. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm good. Um, Have you watched any Gilmore Girls recently?
0: No, it's been a while. I've gotten to the point where I've watched it from start to finish with my wife. Mm -hmm. It's been long enough that we watched it that I feel like I can like. We're eventually, we're soon going to get to the point where we want to restart it and just go from start to finish again.
1: Um, What do y'all watch? Sorry, What are y'all watching now or what, do you, what have y'all been watching?
0: Um, it's been a little rough lately. We're kinda, uh, we've kind of we been watching The Bachelor, Bachelorette, okay. Bachelor Paradise. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily proud to admit it because it's a weird show, but it is a guilty pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of in a weird, weird period right now where there's not a ton on. Um, waiting for the good place to start up again. Really enjoy that show. Um, other than that, kind of just a lot of like, cooking competitions and stuff. Um, that's mm-hmm. my thing but um what are you watching
1: right now so you know it's i I mean i watched this movie called the interview last night from 1998 it's this um it's a british movie i don't know if you've heard of it but it's um unbelievable love it incredible acting performances a lot of no-namers but it's on netflix it's a it's a thriller and it's not a not a tough watch it's an hour and a half but i I watched that. So I've been watching um different movies that have been on my uh list that I just my queue that I've not gotten to. I haven't watched as much TV as I have just burning through movies that I've just had in my queue and I've been wanting to get through like Brick on Netflix. Really I, love that. I watched
0: that a long time ago. That that's good.
1: It's so good, but I it was just there and I was like I'd never gotten around to it and then I watched it and I was like, "Oh, this this is fantastic." And just about anything Joseph Gordon-Levitt does is 10 out of 10 um it's interesting that bachelor is one of your things because i think part of the reason that people watch the bachelor is it's something that kind of like game of thrones and this is the only time someone's ever going to try and uh, jump a (laughs) comparison between (laughs) bachelor and game of thrones but i do think they're alike in one crucial context which is that all of america is watching it and you don't have many shows like that where we're all collectively tuned into what's going on and can talk about it at work together because most people are watching like you like the good place some people will binge it in April and some people will watch it in November and some people will watch it 4 years from now it's not there aren't many shows that require appointment viewing and you can talk about it with different people so i think people like being able to discuss at dinner parties and going out to the bars with their friends like hey what did you think of this on the bachelor kind of like game of thrones where like everybody just had to sit down and watch it on Sunday nights. And I think that's the same with the bachelor.
0: Totally agree. That, that reminds me j- during the season, I think it, I think it was game seven, the second round between the Raptors and Sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, me, me and one of my coworkers, Gil McGregor, uh, we were working the game seven for the Raptors because we run NBA Canada. So it's a huge folks, huge game for us. Um, and I believe it was on a, it must've been on a Sunday night because um, game of thrones was going on. I can't remember what episode it was or anything. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but Gil does. Um, but poor guy, he, he has to work the game. So he, he's not paying attention. He's trying to not look at twists and not know anything. Um, that's going on. He makes it through the game and everything. The episode's over, has no idea what's happened. No spoilers or anything. Sports center comes on. The first thing the guy says is like the biggest reveal, um, <laughs> <laughs> about what happened in the episode and relating to the game. And Gil's just like, he's just like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, there's nothing I can do about this. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I agree this is one of those things like you can watch it the next day, but you just risk, you know, the way the things is are uh, nowadays, like you just risk knowing it and it's it's fun to just watch it live with everyone else and things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't watch The Bachelor, that's not my thing, but I get I get why people and I don't like guilty pleasure is just I hate that those two words are together. It's just whatever you like, you like, own it. Who Who cares? I don't. I don't know why people feel the need to like throw out the adjective like guilty, like pleasure. Like whatever. Like what you like, man. It's fine. I have like a, I have a squirrel. I have a beaver, beanie baby, right next to me on my work desk. I got it at work a couple months ago, and I just I loved it. People just think of me with squirrel stuff. Like I'm really into squirrels. Love a good a good squirrel. Um. But you know what? Some people be like, might be like, "Hey, that's a little dorky. That's a guilty pleasure to have some squirrel stuff on my desk." Guess what? Don't care. Embrace it.
0: You're right. You Just gotta own it.
1: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, the squirrel stuff's real, folks. Um, but we are not only going to talk about Gilmore Girls, Bachelor in Paradise, Game of Thrones, um, the magical aspects of squirrels, especially in Atlanta. No, we are going to bounce around a little bit on some NBA questions that. I've been thinking about throughout the week and really just the off season because players and teams are starting to congregate a little bit. Um, some guys are getting back into town and getting ready, especially in LA. Seen a lot of Lakers and Clippers stuff or the boys are getting back and starting to work out together and figure some stuff out. Uh I I saw a Rajan Rondo um workout video and I just I, I was like, Oh, that's enough Twitter for one day. We're still doing yeah, that. Yeah. Um At that time. can't 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 do it. Um, can't watch it, don't care. Um, but I will say the Lamelo stuff, Lamelo ball. Have you seen the touch videos on him? Incredible. Um,
0: I've, I've seen, I've seen some people tweeting out, uh, little clips um, of the game, although I'm pretty sure one of the clips from the game that I saw he was, that team was down by like 30 points. Irrelevant. Um, because
1: isn't... all I saw was those <laughs> is it Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, the touch is really cool to watch. Like I, it's, I mean. I, I, You know where I stand on the Luka-Trey stuff, but the thing that I do very much enjoy about Trey Young is his touch around the rim and just how he's able to get these floaters off. And LaMelo has that same kind of, like, what is he even doing and how is he getting that off and why does it look so clean? I, uh, uh, he's very nice smooth. Looking...
0: I, I will give him that. He's very smooth.
1: Right. And smooth basketball players are, are fun to watch, so I, I am enjoyed that. But... Um, there was a point to all of this. Oh, right. So just different things that I've been writing down and wanted to pick your brain about because I'm sure you've been reading a lot of the same stuff that I'm reading and watching the same kind of stuff that I'm watching. But um, I just want to bounce around the association a little bit and ask you a couple of questions. Um, about, okay. The Hawks. Um, We got to start here because this is something that I've been wondering. There is a change in today's NBA landscape where it... There aren't many contracts that, um, like the Celtics ran into this problem, They're di- the Lakers will run into this problem this year, where like, they have two guys making a bunch of money and then a bunch of guys making no money. So they can't really move any of their, any of their roster because like, you just need the contracts to make it work and to absorb something um, like a mid-tier star or something like that. They just don't have that, the kind of money to do it the Hawks are in a different position because they're one of the few teams that actually have a lot of expiring contracts that um a lot of money on them. Like you have Chandler Parsons, you have guys like that, that you can, you can float out there and see what teams will, will bite on a player like that and see if you can get a mid tier, a top 40 player for a bunch of um expiring contract capital. If you're the Hawks, is there an expiring con? Like, is there a player that you would move a lot of those expiring contracts for to kind of absorb a lot of that cap space that they have in 2020. Which, if they do go into 2020 with the amount of cap space that they do currently have slated, that's a problem because I don't know who they're going to spend it on. Even if they do some extensions, they're going to have to make at least one bad contract. They're like they have to. They just they, <laughs> there's a floor, and the amount of money they have to spend next summer is outrageous, and they're going to have to do something. I would. Assume they're thinking, you know, we we have these guys that on these expiring deals, Crab, Parsons, everybody else, that you would move for somebody else who's under contract for a couple more years. Is there someone that sticks out to you that would make sense in Atlanta, where they're at in their in their rebuild?
0: No, no one jumps out to me, and I think it's mm. because this team is so young, and like Trey Young is so young, John Collins is, all the guys they drafted this year, Cam Reddish, and it's still. There's still so much to figure out with them that I don't know if you want to hamstring yourself to one particular or two particular guys, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Jabari Parker signing was atrocious. They didn't get enough flag for that. I don't know where he's going to play and how that's going to work. Not re-signing Dwayne Deadman and just going to the year with Damian Jones and um, Alex Lynn. Not great. Neither of them could do what Dwayne Dedman did last year. I think this is a real chance of being worse than last year, but... You have Evan Turner on a one year deal, and we'll we'll see three months of this where he's gonna be the backup point guard and it's gonna be a train wreck, and then they'll move on. Um, because like they had the fastest pace in basketball last year. Lloyd Pierce wants to play fast, he wants to run, he wants he knows his defense is gonna struggle. It's young, the way for them to keep it like Luke Walton did the same thing in Los Angeles that first year he was there, if you remember. Like when he had lawns and everything, it's like we're gonna run, run, run. The defense got better. And, and that's how they were trying to beat teams. The Hawks tried the same thing last year. Um, they won't be able to do that if, if slow mo Evan Turner is running the second unit and getting 18 minutes running that second group. And I just, I, I don't think it works. But he's an expiring contract, so you have 18 million there. You have 25 million with Chandler Parsons. You have 18 million with Alan Crab. I just, I think you have to move them for somebody. I don't know who. You, it is like to me, I still think Kevin Love is my number one option there, just because I think him and Collins would be so demoralizing on the boards. And I don't think Kevin Love moves the needle enough where it like ruins um, their trajectory and really ruins their chemistry. I think him in the pick and pop with Trey would be great. He's a great passer. He would do a lot for this team. Um the defense would obviously be a problem with him, Collins, and Trey on the floor together. But guess what? That's what the I was The Hawks are say. always gonna be shit on defense. Like if you're running into the future with um Cam Reddish, John Collins, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, like there's no path to getting into an elite defensive category with that core. There's just not. Like you can talk yourself into Hunter all you want and he could be fine, but you're gonna have at least two minus defenders in the floor at all times. And that's just really hard to build a really good defense. So I've just been under the assumption that like just go full phoenix suns in the late 2000s and just try and put together the best offensive rating humanly possible in the next couple of years that's what i would do
0: see the thing for me is that like i feel like if you do have like training not going to be a good defender i think we're, we're, that's, no. we're pretty confident in that right i don't think john collins is going to be like a disaster defensively i don't think it's like a given that he's just going to be terrible is that fair
1: it depends. Like I just wish he could play the 4 and the 5, but if he's going to play the 4 forever and I just don't think he can defend vibes and I think he's just I don't think he'll ever be a good rim protector. So if that's the case, his his size is just not great. I I don't think he'll ever be a good defender. Like even if he got passable, maybe. Maybe, but I just think he's too slow to keep up with a lot of modern fours. I don't know. I don't I don't like how he fits with different guys. And I think he's going to get switched on to smaller guards and faster wings. And he's just not going to be able to stay in front of them. And he's also just not a good enough rim protector to just keep him inside all night. I I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not high on his defensive upside either.
0: See so the thing with me? Like, well, the point I was trying to make though, is that because you have trans, a good defender, let's say John Collins is a limited or even an average piece of an average defender in the league. I think that just puts more importance on like, you do have to go after a center. And like another backcourt player who are defensive minded.
1: Like mm-hmm. I, I,
0: I get what you're saying that like going after Kevin Love, like yeah, that makes this team so much fun. They're gonna get up and down the court. They're gonna shoot a ton of threes. That that provides so much spacing. Um, but it's like you know them going after DeAndre Hunter. Like it's a very specific move to show up their defense, right? Like they need primitive defenders. He's mentioned one of the best of primitive defenders, or the best. I don't really know. I didn't follow this this draft class that closely. Um, but I had you know a lot of good things about his versatility you on know, defense and things like that. Like there's a very conscious effort to go after someone like that. Um, and I just think, you know, like losing Deadman, not a big name or anything, but he's another one of those guys, like he can protect the rim. He can hit threes. Like, I I, I just think that's why I struggle with knowing like who they should go after. Like, th- it'd be nice to see them move these expiring contracts, but it's like, there's just so much uncertainty. And I feel like you want to play it out. See if John Collins can play the five, reasonable more comfortable with the four, try different pairings and, and kind of like just work it out from there. Um, I mean, this is a hard part about rebuilding, right? It's like at least they they have players that they they think they can build around, but actually finding like the pieces around them that kind of fit together and put it all together um is really difficult because those are the, those are sometimes the guys who you know swing series and playoffs, you need depth at every position and things like that um so yeah, they're a tricky one like there's no doubt that they have a really bright future, um, but there's still clearly a
1: lot to figure out. You know who I might talk myself into? And I think this is the team that I think is going to be really interesting, especially after the first month. Like, they're I don't know how much of League Pass you're going to watch with them, but the Raptors, because they have Marcus Hall on an expiring contract. They have Kyle Lauer on an expiring contract. They have Serge Ibaka on an expiring contract. They have Fred Van Fleet on an expiring contract. Like, If Masai Ujiri wants to do a full teardown and doesn't really want to get the seventh seed, and he does want to max out Pascal Siakam, like what do you do? Do you could Marcus would be great. Like he's kind of more of what you're talking about. The five where that rim protector, that guy that they can insert in there and sp- help shore up that defense. Um, but then again, do you think Marcus would sign a two plus one in Atlanta um, after the season's over? Or do you think he walks? I mean, it doesn't really matter if you, if you trade expiring contracts for different expiring contracts, I don't think it would be a negative, but right. that's the kind of guy that would help um, a lot this year. But I don't know if you do it. If, you're losing him next year anyway like the dream scenario i wish my was making more money because i would like look at him or i would look at um i don't even know like drummond i mean this is a question that i have oh. uh, later on but i don't think he fits the bill either it's just there are not a lot so. of guys that make a lot of sense that are also making a lot of money that's the other thing is like they have to make a lot of money that's the whole point of this exercise is that the Hawks aren't in a unique spot in today's NBA where they have three guys making a lot of money on expiring contracts. So they have capital that they need to move and they need to, ex- they like actually really need to get somebody in there who makes a lot of money, who is going to um, be on the books for the next couple of years or else they're going to have to spend erroneously next summer and it's going to bite them.
0: So, so instead of, instead of Mark Gasol, what about Serge Ibaka?
1: I would like that. I think he would fit too. I think either would be great for them. I would like I think,
0: Yeah, I think Ibaka would actually fit really well. I, think, I mean, to your point, they both would fit really well. Um, but I think Ibaka, a little bit faster, he's a good rim protector. He was, a, you know, he, he played the five based, like almost exclusively last season, um, and it kind of completely changed his career because when he was in Orlando, it was kind of looking like his career was trending downwards very quickly. Um, and even in his first full season with the Raptors, it kind of looked a little shaky. But last year, he was super effective um played a huge role in the regular season huge role in the playoffs um and i think that's that's probably the kind of guy that you want next to john collins like he's still versatile enough to play on the perimeter defend a little bit um but you kind of want a guy who who can still shoot um but also protect the rim to kind of show up their weaknesses i think
1: can i give you my sneaky one that i would like to see what happens there and see if they could talk him into it yep Lamarcus aldridge because I think it would be a combination. I think you could I I don't know what the Spurs are going to look like. They're going to be best case scenario like a 7-8 seed. I like Lloyd Pierce was on coach, he was coaching Team USA at FIBA. Obviously Greg Popovich is there. They're very they're friendly. They coach together. I wonder if there is something where the Spurs struggle out of the gate again this year and they struggle um getting DeJounte Murray back in that guard rotation. They try to figure out what they can do with him and Derek White and everybody else. Like, I don't know, like there's a possibility the Spurs break out and Lonnie Walker and all those young guys hit in the backcourt. And then the DeMar DeRozan and the Marcus Aldridge are okay. Passing the baton and giving them awesome. more of the usage on offense. Or maybe they're like, no, this is, this needs to be a full rebuild and we'd like to go play somewhere else. Um, I don't know. Aldridge plays primarily at the five. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that almost all of his minutes last year were at the five um i don't he's not the ideal rim protector but he's also just a really smart basketball player and he's a plus player um and derozan didn't have that same positive on-court experience last year if you look at the numbers but i wouldn't be opposed to it and i think he would he would be a really smart basketball player and good for the young guys here
0: the thing with the spurs that i I just don't see them tearing it down i don't Um, either because i mean we have no idea how much longer pop's gonna coach it doesn't seem like it's going to be very long um they will They've made the, the the playoffs for twenty. Is it twenty three straight times? And they're going for twenty four to be the record. Like I mm-hmm. think there's enough of that stuff going on with 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 you know potentially one of the last few years of pop. Like I think even if they do get like the seventh or eighth seed, I think they'd rather do that than trade Aldridge, um, and and probably DeRozan too. He's gonna. I mean, something aside note on that. Like his, his extension or what the Spurs decide to do with DeRozan is gonna be fascinating. Um, but by the way, I kind of see. Like they, have, they have some interesting guys too, like all the young guys that you mentioned, Deontay Murray, um, and Derek White, and things like that. Like they they have enough to work with, so I, I'd be surprised if they they they, they pulled the trigger on something like
1: that. I love Lonnie Walker. I really hope he breaks out. Like him and Derek White, I just I want to see it. But I don't know with DeRozan and just how much um, space he occupies in this offense, how high they can climb in the next year or two with him on on under contract. But like you said, they have an extension um situation coming up with him so we'll have to monitor that um all right that's enough hawks um the boston celtics who basically all played together in team fiba um this summer something that um they were doing last year and now you have new faces with kimba um ns canner starting at the five like there's just a lot of new pieces around their young guys and gordon hayward should marcus smart and gordon hayward stay on the bench in boston
0: So, who are you, your, your starters are what? Kemba, Tatum, Brown, um... Cantor. Cantor.
1: And someone and else. Who's, who's the fourth? Um, Who are we forgetting here? We're forgetting somebody. Who's the fourth? Why am I forgetting the fourth?
0: I feel like we're getting, hmm. getting someone very obvious.
1: Are we forgetting somebody? Who are we forgetting here? I'm looking around. Maybe? Hmm. Not Daniel Tice. I don't think they're going to start him.
0: I'd be surprised if they started him.
1: Grant Williams will be a a big player. I think like Grant Williams is going to be someone who's like getting twenty four minutes a night on this team, and we're going to be surprised. I um I don't know. Maybe Marcus Smart is in the starting rotation now. Maybe it does go Kemba, Marcus, Jalen, Tatum, Cantor, and then. Hayward's coming off the bench or do you maybe that's the question is like is it smart or Hayward is the sixth guy
0: I almost like I mean it depends what kind of like how I guess how Hayward looks in camp right because he's Kemp is a very bold dominant player and mm-hmm. Tatum can play off ball last year he's training towards a guy who who wants to play multiple with ball kind of create his own offense things like that um, that's ben what they Brown need also, Jalen Brown also needs, you know, he's a guy who's comfortable doing it, doing both, but he still is someone who plays with the ball in his hands and of course, Gordon Hayward is. So I feel like it probably makes the most sense to bring Hayward off the bench um, and have Smart, like Smart is a more natural fit into the starting lineup because he's far more comfortable playing off ball. Um, he's a rugged defender and they don't have a ton of, I mean, they don't, Ken is not a defensive-minded player. Ken sure isn't. Um, Tatum and Brown are both versatile, but I think Smart kind of Um, kind of brings it all together so, so looking at through that, I I mean, I think you start smart and bring Hayward off the bench.
1: Hmm, I i like Hayward off the bench, and I think he's really good as like the Swiss Army knife, second unit, lead ball handler type because that's what he was doing in Utah when he was really getting that top 20, top 15 level. Um, he was so good in Utah, right? Especially that last year in that Clipper series, like he was the point forward. But I don't know if that's feasible with Tatum and Kimba in the starting lineup. I don't think he'll be able to be maximized um, in that kind of way. Like I just like you said, Kimba's going to have the ball in his hands a bunch. Tatum needs the ball in his hands a bunch. Because ultimately, if Tatum does not get more comfortable bringing the ball up, being a playmaker, being a distributor, being the lead ball handler in pick and rolls, his value is just not as high as it could be. Like Then you're in kind of this... Torian print zone auto porter zone where it's just like uh eh, he's just a, a pretty solid wing can shoot do some stuff but he's not a Kawhi Leonard type or a Paul George type or one of those that can really take charge of an offense and do things on both ends of the court um and the only way to do that is get reps so we have to see Tatum get the ball in his hands a lot and kemba has got to let Tatum dribble the ball up the floor a lot more and initiate the offense but Hayward um it's a lot of money for. A um a six it man is. who I mean that's what
0: makes it difficult, right? That's that, right. That's what makes it a tough to swallow. And especially like it's not like he's an expiring contract either.
1: No. I mean he's only got what, one more year after this? I think it's what
0: yeah, I was gonna look it up, but I think I think I think he's got two more years including next season. Mm. I believe.
1: And then you have the question of like yeah, does Jalen he Brown?
0: Uh, he's a player option for thirty four million, which I am going to assume. I'm gonna guess he, he opts in. Yeah, I'm going to assume he picks up. Um, ESPN's depth charts, for for what it's worth, has Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Haywood in cancer, and then Jalen
1: Brown off the bench. Ew. That's not good for Jalen.
0: I, I just don't think that makes sense for their second unit either. Right. Um,
1: Unless you're a big like, uh, G- Gordon Hayward, Carl Edwards guy. G- Gordon
0: Hayward con- yeah, G- Gordon Haywood controlling that second unit um, and kind of just surrounding him with guys who can, can, you know, complement his skill set and things like that. And that's also not to say that Hayward doesn't close games because he he very well could. Um, The nice thing about Kemba is Kemba can play off ball. It's not something we saw a ton of in Charlotte, obviously, because he was basically the only person who could create his own offense. Um, So it was very rare. I mean, it was funny to see, like, (laughs) end of close games last season, um, they're putting the ball in Tony Parker's hands sometimes to, to give Kemba a break. Um, and you know, you're, you're, you're relying so heavily on, you know, a washed up Tony Parker to kind of close games at this point in his career. Um, that kind of, that kind of put everything into perspective for the Hornets last season, but you know, he, he should, he's shown signs of being a very good, off-ball player. Um, hopefully that can translate into him doing it more often. Um, so I think there's definitely, you know, a way that Haywood uh, can work with him and Tatum. I just, it probably just makes more sense for everyone uh, to bring him off the bench. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm I'm with you, and I also wonder if Jalen gets traded. What do you think? Do you think? I mean, the thing I've been pushing forever because this uh, this essentially um, puts Indiana in the finals, no doubt. If the Jalen for um, either Sabonis or Miles Turner deal happens, would you do that if you're Boston? Would it have Man. to be Turner?
0: It, it would have to be Turner, right? I, I I just think like defensively. Um, I mean, if you have Kemba, Tatum, Smart. And Turner, that's a that's a pretty nice group. Um, I definitely think that that probably works out better. I see. I don't know if you take if you take Turner off the paces and have Sabonis at center. I really like Sabonis for what it's worth, but I think, I mean, Turner's pretty good. He's um, League can block last
1: season. he's improved every. Really good team. at uh, FIBA.
0: Yeah, FIBA wasn't great. Um, FIBA wasn't. No, good. it was good I for him though. He was <inaudible> a lot of ball-
1: like he's a he's good at blocking shots. Like he's a good rim protector.
0: He is. He's, he's a very big. good rim protector. Um, which is super important, obviously. And and he's versatile enough defensively to kind of he's not just a guy who stands underneath the rim, like he can move, um, which obviously matters in today's NBA and everything like that. So I think for for the Celtics perspective, they probably want Turner in that deal, I would have thought, rather than Sabonis. Um
1: I watched that, them both up close kind of... when the Pacers were here last year. And my takeaway was that like Sabonis would dominate in nineteen ninety eight NBA like he the way he plays it's insane it's very frustrating and it's kind of like john collins in a way but he's a much better defender and i think he's a better passer i actually think i don't know if a lot of hawks fans would agree with this or even nba people but i think sabonis is a better basketball player than john collins and he was just unstoppable he draws a lot of fouls he's just he knows how to use his body he's he's smart but miles turner you'll you'll forget he's in the game for minutes on you will forget you will you don't forget sabonis is on the floor ever Sabonis is a bully yes he's a
0: bully he 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 asserts himself um and so what are you saying about John Collins by the way I I, I agree that like I, I think Sabonis is just at this stage of their career Sabonis is a more polished player I'd say um but there's no doubt in my mind that Collins has far more potential
1: hmm I I just feel safer about Sabonis and I just that was my biggest takeaway is like I, w- I would forget that Miles Turner was just hanging out in the corner and Sabonis yeah. is just like, nope. Like you said, he's just a bully inside and he just, he demands attention and Miles Turner doesn't. So if I'm the Pacers, I wouldn't feel, if you're able to swing one of those guys for somebody like Jalen Brown to really show up that wing stuff. And you have Malcolm Brogdon, Depot, Jalen Brown, and that group, like, oof. I, I, I really, really like that group. Really. And you just know how I am about Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo, the best backcourt in the East right now um bar hopefully when they're both healthy but both guys have injury concerns and all that other stuff but anyway um next on my list Steph Curry so he had this quote about Kevin Durant leaving I don't know if you saw this he said yep. Kevin made a decision for himself and you can't argue that what what yeah I mean okay What? what does that mean what, what does that mean i saw that and i was like i mean yeah everybody makes a decision like no one's arguing that he didn't make a decision for himself and that's how decisions work is it's you making them um but i, I don't understand why he said that it's like one of those quotes you see you see on like a whiteboard and you're like that actually doesn't mean anything and i just <laughs> I, I looked at it and i'm like what what what
0: it's i mean it's tough with these things because you don't know what goes on behind the scenes right like before we know, that could be in reference to like, like Kevin Durant didn't tell anyone the Warriors didn't have a conversation with anyone the Warriors about his decision, what he was thinking, um, get their opinion or anything like that. Like that's the first thing that jumped to my mind when I when, when I saw that quote. Um, and I mean, something else that jumped out this week. I think it was this week that it came out. Um, was apparently the Nets didn't know, like they didn't offer Kevin Durant a they hadn't offered Kevin Durant a contract yet. Mm-hmm. Um, when he announced or made his decision that he'd be signing with the Nets, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's complicated. Like, right. I don't think a lot of people know what he's, what he's thinking, um, or, or what he's doing. And I, I, that, that's kind of where, how I interpreted it, you know, like, like maybe there just wasn't a full blown conversation with the Warriors or a heads up or anything like that
1: interesting yeah that's that's one i mean that's very possible i just i looked at it as like he like steph curry is in guys like that now are at the forefront of just like players should be able to do whatever they want um no one's ever argued players shouldn't be able to ever do what they want and he was a free agent he can go make a decision for himself and that's what he did like that's not the argument that's ever been made about this kind of player movement stuff is that like players shouldn't be able to do that when they're free agents there's a that's a separate argument than um, the way you go about something. You can have a question like Kevin could have gone about this kind of stuff the wrong way. Like there's just all kinds of stuff that we don't know about. Like what you spoke about is that's the stuff we just don't know. But like the idea (laughs) that players just, I, I guess they're kind of, I don't know, not insecure about this, but I guess maybe a little bit where it's like, no one's getting upset about, you choosing to be where you want to be happy like no one's mad at jimmy butler for choosing the heat because he was afraid people were mad when jimmy butler was signed to a contract for another team and intentionally sabotaged his situation to get what he wanted like that is what rubs people the wrong way like kevin orchestrating his exit nine months out of golden state that's more of what would bother people it's like if you want to do it that's fine it's just it's the pro- not even just the professionalism it's just like the way you go about something matters more than the end result in a lot of cases
0: but I mean KD took a lot of heat for joining the Warriors and you could argue that's right. what he wanted to do and that's what made him happy right like I, I agree like I, I'd like to think that like every player is empowered to make, to, to make the decision that they want to right and, like whatever is going to make them happy but the reality is like sports fans are crazy and no matter what yeah. they do no matter what they decide like that People are going to to like take it negatively. Like I, I guarantee you there's people Warriors fans and everything like that. I mean I've seen it. It's like unhappy with the way that K D handled it and left and everything. And, you know, even if the net going to the Nets is what made him ha- the happiest, like it's just I don't know. It's 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 in reality like I just don't think people f- see it that simply, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This stuff, it's tiring, and I don't think it's going to get any better. I think players are going to get more and more antsy about this kind of stuff and just say things, like, out loud of just, nobody, like, we want to go where we want to be happy. And it's like, that's fine. No one's ever arguing that you shouldn't be able to go where you want to be happy. It's just the way you do it. Like, just don't do the Antonio Brown, Jimmy Butler stuff. Just, like, there's, even AD, like, he handled it horribly. No one's just, like... If Anthony Davis wants to be a Laker, go be a Laker. Also, don't sign the same contract. Go like, do it differently. Don't like intentionally sabotage your team season. Don't screw your teammates over. Like, there's just I, I, there's just a way of going about it, and there's a different conversation that we're having than it seems like players think we're having. I I don't know. It's it's all very confusing right now, and I don't think it's gonna get any better. So, there's cynical chase for the evening.
0: Um, the thing is, like, even on that, the la- like last real quick thing is that. Going back to like we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, like with the Anthony Davis thing, it's also very hard to know like like who knows? He could have wanted to be traded, right? But then like the the people that are managing managing him and everything like that, they're the ones pushing these narratives or or, or you know, leaking this information that he wants to be with the Lakers and it needs to happen now. Like it's just so hard to distinguish like what is coming from the player and what they actually feel, um, and kind of what's happening around them. It's just it's just it's so hard nowadays because there's so much information. Um, and you don't know who it comes from that I feel like it's just, it's kind of impossible to get the right read on something.
1: Yep. I think so. So we should probably avoid those conversations altogether, probably because we just don't know enough to formulate a fair, accurate, um, just conclusion about what's going on there. Um, since you're familiar with the Charlotte Hornets and that's been a very unfortunate thing in 2019, I have to ask you now that James Borrego has come out saying that they're going to be transitioning into a new era, playing a lot more young guys. What is the most interesting lineup the Hornets can play next year that will really grab your attention? That's like if any NBA fans are listening who are thinking about putting the Hornets on on a Tuesday night in November, what is the best five man lineup that you could sell those those super fans on?
0: Um, Terazier has got to be in it.
1: Not a great start. Uh, Okay.
0: Miles Bridges has got to be in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going all fun, actually, you know what? I want Dwayne Bacon in there. Um,
1: you love Dwayne Bacon.
0: I I do. I really like Dwayne Bacon. I think he's going to have a good season. I'm not. I don't think. I'm not like delusional. I don't think he's going to just absolutely break out and be like the most improved candidate. But I think he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to be solid. Um, that's three, right? Yes. Malik Monk. Okay. Um, and then either Cody Zell or Marvin Williams. That would be my five.
1: Interesting. See, I think you have to have Hernan Gomez at the five. Like, I liked what I saw from him this summer. Um, He's still interesting. He's on the last year of his contract. You might as well play him a little bit. I, I mean, I would love to say Miles Bridges at the five, but I don't think he can survive in that capacity. Yeah, I don't think so. And as one of the oldest Cody Zeller zealots, I wish I could include him, but I just, it's not fun um, anymore. It's not fun. I will never forget the pick and roll of Kemba and uh, Jeremy Lin and Cody Zeller from a couple years ago. Long live that that trio.
0: It's lonely on Cody Island right now. I feel, I feel very alone.
1: Um, Batum's not in that list. Yeah, I guess it would be for me. I guess you probably have to go Rosier Monk. Your guide, Dwayne Bacon, Bridges and Gomez. Oh man. I wish I could <laughs> tell like, MKG deeper? too. But you can't even do that. Like when Brago's talking about this youth movement, like who is the youth? Is PJ Washington gonna get some serious run? What do we know about him? I don't I don't know.
0: I just think with those, like they have to play the young guys, right? And at least like Terry Bacon, um, Bridges and Monk, like they're gonna get up and down the court. They're all young, they like to play fast. Um, Bridges can play above the rim Monk likes his suit um, Bacon can space the floor um, So I think that that, that fifth guy Kind of depends on how how you all Kind of want it to fit together Like M- MKG did play some center last season um, Obviously you don't want him playing center When like Joel Embiid is on the call Or, or Nikola Jokic or something um, But if there's a small lineup You can play him there um, He's a good defender He can, he, he functions basically His skill set is basically a big man on offense Because he he, he can't shoot um, but he can, he's a good cutter, he can roll to the basket, things like that. Um, to your point, Hunter and Gomez, um, has shown flashes with the Hornets. I don't think, you know, it's definitely worth taking what he has. Um, going back to Cody, if he can stay healthy, he's a very good pick and roll player. Um, and then Marvin Williams is kind of, um, again, smaller. You probably don't want him going up against traditional fences and things like that. Um, but he's a good perimeter defender. He can shoot threes. Um, so that, whatever you're looking for, that fifth position, like they all bring something different. Um, it kind of just, you know, how old you want it to pull it together, I think.
1: Hmm. Could the Bulls win 40 games next year? A lot of Vegas has them in the mid oh, to man. upper thirties. I, I think it's possible.
0: Really? I'm, I'm not buying it.
1: Oh no, you're adamantly, you're just like, really? You're just like, Chase, what are you doing? What, what are you doing?
0: Well, we had a, we had a conversation about this, um, in the office the other day. Cause, because another one of my coworkers, Micah Adams, he, he's a Bulls fan. Mm. Um, so he he's kind of talks himself in and out of. You know, he spent like half the last season talking himself in and out of Zach Levine. Like he's a tortured Bulls fan. Like he's reasonable, but he also he he's still so he buys in sometimes. So we we've been talking like expectations for the Bulls and things like that lately. Um, a couple of my coworkers are higher than them, than I am. I just I don't know. I I I, I don't quite see it.
1: I love this group. I think they had a good offseason. Li- like, you're a big, Thad young guy, right? And I'm a gigantic Tomas Sadoransky guy. Um, they're moving on from Chris Dunn as a starter point guard. I will never quit Denzel Valentine. Um, Otto Porter helped a lot at the end of last year. And you put that five-man lineup of marketing who hopefully is healthy. You have him, Wendell, Porter, Levine, and uh, Sadoransky closing with Kobe White. Um, coming off the bench as a sixth guy, like, I don't know, man. I really like that group. And Thad Young is your seventh guy. And I I think there's a real chance with how bad the East is going to be next year, this team wins 40 games. I don't think it's out of the question if the right young guys hit for them and their vets stay healthy.
0: But for that to happen, like, Levine needs to, to pop, right? Like, he No, needs to take- that's over.
1: I don't think it's him who needs to pop. I think it's and has to go to, like, 25 and 8. And you think he's doing that? I think it's possible. I'm, I'm, a Mark- I'm pretty I, high I really on marketing. Like Mark-
0: I, I really do like marketing. I just, man, I mean, they won 22 games last season. So 18, 18 game improvement. That's true. That,
1: God, it felt like they won more than 22 last year. Did they win more than 22 if they had Porter the whole season? I think so. Probably. But how many, like, how many wins does that buy? Is that the difference between like 22 and
0: 26 or is it like 22 and 30? <sighs> That's a good question.
1: I don't know. Probably 26 yeah i don't know now you're talking me out of it i didn't realize it was 20 that is a big jump
0: I it mean, is a big jump i feel like that i i definitely think that they definitely improved right like I, I think this is a 30 plus win team i just i mean the wizards won 32 games last year and that, that'd be a way to talk yourself into the bulls right like if the wizards can win 32 games last season the bulls stay healthy everything kind of clicks
1: so maybe, maybe the per 36 numbers last year 20, 20 and 10 he'll be 22 this year this is year three a lot of guys pop in year three a lot of guys pop in year three that's a pivotal year for young guys in the nba i i would not roll out if he's able to make 36 minutes tonight. i would not roll out 25 and 10 25 and 9 and i i don't know what that means for them is that an all-star appearance for him possibly i i i don't know I'm very interested to see what the twin towers of Wendell Carter and Laurie Marketing looks like, and then the the vets on the wing, and then just Kobe Kobe White getting brought along slowly. But I'm a big Kobe White guy too, so I don't know. I I'm very high. This is the highest I've been on the Bulls in a long time. They're actually doing things the smart way. So even if they don't get to 40 and they don't make the playoffs, they are operating in smart basketball fashion, and that is that is huge for the Gar Forman front office and uh Chicago. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure. I mean, they definitely take it. And I, I mean, I'll, again, like, Saturday Nightingale that's a good signing, I think. Paul, uh, getting Porter, um, he's a guy who can kind of fit in most teams because of the skill set that he has. Really like Larry Markkinen. Um But another concern I have with him, like, Markinen's had injuries his first two seasons, um, which is a little concerning given his size and everything. Wendell Carson missed all our games last year. Um, and I think, like, may, maybe the ceiling is, high 30s 40 games or something like that um but if mark misses 15 20 games again
1: same thing yeah, with they won't that's, come that's, close. that's it that's it yeah
0: so you're banking on like perfect health from both of them which is possible i mean there's no there's, you know i'm not gonna say that that's not gonna happen but um it's just i don't know i i don't feel confident in saying that they're gonna win that game
1: that's fair are you surprised at all at how the mavericks have handled their wing depth issue this summer
0: as in, like, the the people, like, who they signed and everything, like, the long yeah, right, Yeah, and,
1: like, who they kept and, like, the way they're team building. Like, you have KP and Luca, which is an amazing foundation. Like, an amazing, amazing... Those are two guys who can both be in the top 15 in the NBA. You have one guy who can be top 5, one guy who can be top 10. Like, I just... I'll never place a big in the top 5 ever again with just the way the NBA works. But I will... um, I, I would say that Porzingis has the opportunity to get... To that top ten level again if he's healthy. Um, somewhere in that range. But like Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee's in the last year of his contract, they signed Dylan Wright, who should start, it looks like, but you have Maxie Kleber, you have Seth Curry who they signed off the wing. Like whoa, he resigned whoa, 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 whoa. Dwight Powell, who sucks. Like I don't understand the Dwight Powell whoa. stuff.
0: Whoa, where's all this hate coming from? Also, you said Maxi Kleber like it's a bad thing.
1: He's fine. But like Justin Jackson's gonna play for them this year.
0: See, the thing like, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not Dorian a right Smith guy. Dorian Finney-Smith
1: might start. Dorian Finney-Smith might start.
0: Yeah, I'm not a Dolan Wright guy. I wasn't a Dolan Wright guy when he was with the Raptors. Um, but I actually really like his fit on this team next to Luka. I think that was a good signing by them, because he's a versatile what defender. What does he do well? I mean, he's a really good defender, first of all. He can guard multiple okay. positions, which is, which is what you want from that position next to Luka, right? Because he's...
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think Luka's necessarily a bad defender. He's never
0: going to be like an All-NBA defender. Or anything like that, and you don't well, want to Don So him. all
1: things are possible through through the. Uh, so let's be careful I guess, here. I guess.
0: Um, <laughs> okay, so so he, even if that was the case, right? He because of the load that he handles on offense, you don't want him chasing around guys on on, on defense, right? I think that's fair. So like, yeah, you have you have a guy in the long right who can guard multiple positions and kind of take that load off of him. So I think in that sense, like that alone makes sense to me. And I think he offensively, like he's not he's not a good enough three-point shooter right That that you'd want next to luca there but he can at least like he can shoot and he can also do things enough things with the ball in his hand to like kind of take some of the load off of luca at times there so i i think like it's not like absolutely perfect right like i don't think and if you if you found like the perfect point guard to put next to luca it wouldn't necessarily be the long right but i think given who was available i think he was a very smart signing for them um i like seth curry i've always been a big seth Curry guy. You can never go wrong with a guy who can shoot really, really well and knows his strengths and plays to them and bring him off the bench. I think that makes sense next to Luca as well. Other than that, like I get where you're coming from. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, I, I like him. but like, how much is he necessarily going to bring? Tim Hadaway Jr. He has a lot to prove, um, and he's still getting paid a lot. So there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him like that. I like Dwight Powell, but is he a starting center on a team that's hoping to make the playoffs? I think he's probably better suited as like a backup. Um, almost as like a like a Montrez kind of role, um, and going back to Max Kleber, I'm a big Max Kleber guy. I'm aware that he's probably not a guy you want playing 30 minutes a game and things like that, um, but he can make a difference. I think he's you know super versatile defender. Um, looked awesome on, on switches last season. Can protect the rim, and then he he can also do enough stuff on offense to not be a liability. Um, so I think they have like they have interesting pieces, um, but they're in this weird they're in this weird like situation where they want to compete for the playoffs. Right. And they have two very clear superstars. Um, But it's almost like it's, they're like a, a further along Hawks in that like, they need to figure out the role players around them. Um, And it's not quite there yet, but actually finding those players and bringing them in is going to be really difficult and it's going to make or break them probably.
1: Do you think they can be a playoff team? Probably not, right? They're still a year away.
0: I don't think so. I, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team.
1: I could see them being
0: like just on the outside, um, looking in. But I'm also, I I don't want to put like I, I don't I I'm, I have pretty low expectations for for this to this the year, um, just because he is coming off such a, a a serious leg injury for a guy that size and everything. Like I think he he'll bounce back from it. It's just it could take him I don't know half a season to find his footing again. Um, and kind of look like the it's of old. So I just think, given how competitive the West is going to be, um, that kind of transition period might just honestly be enough to to kind of take them out from the get go.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I um I don't know. I, I want to see it, and I just hope that we get a full season of a healthy KP and a and a healthy Luca because the pick and pop is going to be so damn good. I mean, it's, um,
0: it's going to be so much fun.
1: Not fun is the Denver Nuggets starting three position. Is Torrey Craig starting? Like, what are they doing at the three? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is probably never going to... Or Michael... Por- is it Michael Porter Jr.? Is it, He's he's a junior, right? Yeah. Okay. Because he had another... Like, there's another... Never mind. I, I don't know. There's a lot of Porters, and I'm trying to figure out the USC Porter. Because, like, he has a brother who I don't think is a, a junior. I don't know. This This is all very confusing right now. But he's not healthy. We didn't get to see him in summer league. There was a lot of hype surrounding him and all that kind of stuff. And he was the best prospect coming out of high school a couple of years ago, but he just can't stay healthy. And he like, hasn't played like a real basketball game in like three years now. Um, what do they do there? What do they do at that spot? Is that a major concern for you?
0: It's, I don't know if it's a concern to the point where like, I I'm not buying into what the nuggets are doing. Cause I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the West next season. Um, and wow, I think shots Corey fired at Craig, Michael
1: Pena in his SB Nation article from this week. Shots fired. I read that. I
0: thought, I thought that was really interesting, um, but I, I am all in on the Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets fans,
1: very rabid all of a sudden. I don't remember this many Nuggets fans existing a couple of years ago. They were going at my guy, Michael, so leave him alone.
0: I don't know, people. Jokic's been pretty polarizing for a couple of years now. Like I feel like, as, like two years ago, I remember Nuggets fans being like, yo, this guy is legit. He, he, like, you need to go all in on him and everything like that. And it took a long time for people to, to kind of warm up to him. Um, so I, I feel like it's been bubbling. Like, I, I, I've seen it, I've seen it bubbling for a couple of years now. Um,
1: well, they did win Craig the Frank's Demarcus done. Cousins versus Jokic argument. I think that's, that one's done because that was like the most yes. adamant, like, fights was between those two of who was the better pig to build around. And, um, I think Jokic won.
0: I think he did. I think he did. Um, I, I, I I'm, I'm convinced I think Jokic should be uh has the second best all twin MVP next season by the way
1: hmm. I'm just the west the top of the west is going to be a lot more difficult than it was a year ago I just I don't see a scenario where the Nuggets are the number one team in the west again and I think they're they're in trouble I, I just I, not in trouble of like missing the playoffs but in trouble of like oh these young guys better pop. And it I just I keep waiting for my guy Gary Harris to break out because that's my dude and that's the one I really, really want to see break out. Because if he becomes a star like Jamal Murray and Jokic, I really love their upside. If he doesn't, he's just a role player, they're they're in trouble. Um trouble in the sense that like they have a ceiling and it's a second round and exit team. Kind of like the Blazers. They'll fall in that category. Um it's just the two LA teams are there. Houston still there and I think they're gonna be a very dominant regular season team. Like I just think the top of the West next year is going to be a bloodbath and I don't see Denver being able to outlast the two LA teams. Even Golden State, who I think is gonna be a lot better than people think. And then um Houston, who I think is gonna win a lot of basketball games too.
0: I, I think I think Houston's gonna fit in pretty like I think Ross and Harden, um, they're gonna fit in really well. Regular season's gonna be no problem. I think that problem's gonna be in the postseason. Um. So yeah, I agree with you. I think they're I gonna be agree. a really good regular season team. Um, I'm not. I don't necessarily think. I don't think the Nuggets are a better team than the Clippers and Lakers, but I could see them having a better record in the regular season. Um, mm. the Clippers. I. Not that I'm concerned, because I, 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 I think that they I, I think they have the best chances to win a title next season. I just love the way all the pieces fit together, but I think it could take a while. Like Paul George is gonna miss the start of the season. We don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi and if he's going to rest, this, you know twenty odd games. Uh, that's a safe bet, I would say. I, I, and and that's the thing. It's like when you factor all that in, I just wonder if this is more like a they're going to get they're going to get into the playoffs with a set of fourth seed and they don't care about that rather than fighting to like the first and second seed. So I think that's like fair. that. And the Lakers like, who knows how everything fits um, from day one? Who knows if... You know LeBron misses games for 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 rest, and the same thing with AD. They're another team that like they're gonna have their eyes set on the postseason. And I think the Nuggets have the benefit of continuity. Um, they're young. They they're gonna be hungry. Um, and I think Jokic is just so good, um, and the way he plays is so infectious. So like I, I I just think they're gonna be really good. I think they're gonna be a really good regular season team. I I, I, I think they're. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to win 50 plus games again, um,
1: and they then finish
0: with the top, top, I, I could see them winning like you know the second and third season, things like that. Um, and if Jokic kind of has the season that he did last year or takes another step forward, like I think he's a very clear MVP candidate because he already he already is. He even finished what fourth in voting last season, um, yeah. so I don't think it's crazy to think that he could, you know, based on everything and how much uncertainty there is, um, and how you have multiple MVP candidates on the same team now. Um, and Kawhi and Paul George, Harden and Russ, um, LeBron and AD. Like, Jokic is a very clear superstar on that team. So I think that's just going to help his case.
1: My guess right now is AD's the MVP next year, just because that roster around really? him sucks. I think LeBron's going to miss a lot of games, and I think he's going to defer a lot. And I think is going to put up ridiculous stats on the Lakers next year. Like, he's my current favorite. I just think his numbers are going to be nuts. And we're going to talk about him in the top five and NBA players again this upcoming season and just. By virtue of being in the LA market, I think he's going to benefit a lot more from that. I think my dark horse is still Steph Curry. I don't know if they'll give him three, but everything is set up for a Steph Curry MVP narrative run. Um, new arena. He doesn't have Clay for the first part of the season. He's going to be like think of who his running mates. He's going to have to acclimate D'Angelo Russell. He's going to. Um, it's just going to be him and Draymond running things. It's going to be him acclimating Willie Clay Stein. You have a bunch of no names like Alec Burks, like. It's gonna be a lot on Steph. And I could see him putting up crazy, crazy numbers next year. And if that's the case and Steph is just extremely dominant and the Warriors are a four seed going into the like they somehow get to a four seed with Clay coming back in February, and he's able to keep that ship going. I I don't know. I mean, I'm just I mean, I love Steph and I just I think everything is in position for him to make a very, very legitimate case. For MVP like couldn't you see him averaging 30 plus in the first couple months of the season this year couldn't you see him I, just going off and carrying this team
0: I totally could the only thing that like like I could totally see Steph doing that I could totally see him being an MVP Canada I could totally see him doing it again the only thing that kind of like holding me back is that I feel like at his age at this point of his career and like the injuries that he's dealt with because he's had injuries the last couple of seasons that I think have missed just to combine like 44 games I I just don't know if you want to push Steph that much anymore. Like I don't know if it's worth him taking on a a Harden-esque workload. um,
1: But if you look at it, it as like we're not winning the title anyway this year. What if we went out there and we made sure Steph got the MVP again? What if we were just like this season's about Steph reasserting his dominance of like he doesn't need KD to put on a show and carry this team to a four seed?
0: I mean, my argument against that would be Steph's games should age well. So you'd want to give yourself yeah. enough chances and kind of leave that window open long enough um, in case someone else does come along or, you know, Russell really pops and you can trade him and get a guy who fits in better with him and Clay, or, you know, I, I don't know. But that, that's the only thing that's holding me back. I'm not saying again, like I, I could see it happening. There's just like a little side of me that's not like all in on on that happening.
1: That's fair. Um, what do you make about Andre Drummond having to backtrack on his comments that he's excited about free agency? Do you like, if you're the Pistons now with the expiring contract with him, I wouldn't lock him and Blake Griffin up anyway. Like I, I just, I don't, their fits going a little bit better than you would have expected, I think. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think he's the right long-term fit next to Blake. And if you have Blake for three more years anyway, I would see what kind of value he could bring in. Cause they just, they're starting Tony Snell and, uh, Bryce Brown at the the wing spots right now and that's just not where you want to be as an NBA team in 2019 so I would explore moving him I just don't know what his value is especially bigs like that and this era of basketball like everybody's got a capable center now like the Kings have seven I, I just I don't I don't know what his value is anymore but what would you do and did you make anything of Andre Drummond being excited about free agency
0: I mean, I don't blame him because based on all the players who reach contract extension summer, like he's going to be, I mean, he's potentially a top five free agent next summer. He's definitely top 10. I think you, he he's probably hovering around that top five. Um, if he opts again, out, cause like, he has a
1: player option, right? He does. He has a player option. And it um, sounds like that's why they're making some of it. It's like, is he going to opt out? Is he going to really? And that's a possibility if he thinks he's going to get paid. And he would be, I think, the best free agent next summer, right? Like Draymond's out. Who's left?
0: I mean, Anthony Davis is, but... If you're I don't think he's a real free then, agent,
1: though. I guess if you include him. I just don't think he's a real free agent.
0: Again, like, I, I mean, I, I agree. You the time to just forget about what happened with Dwight in L.A. Like, I think AD is different and the situation is different, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think he's going to stay. I just, I, I don't want to rule it out completely yet. Um, but if, if we assume that AD is a lock, right? If AD is returning to L.A., I think... Drummond is easily again, he's easily a top five, and he's easily the best center available in the market. Um, so even if there's not a ton of teams that need a center, so all it takes is for one or two to feel like he is their missing piece. A team like the Hawks so who are going to have a ton of cap space,
1: you know what Good I mean? God. Like,
0: um, it's tricky, man. Like, I just I, I I so I was writing this season preview, we're doing um, a season preview countdown, thirty teams in thirty days uh, on our NBA Global sites. Um, and I actually wrote the Pistons one today and kind of, I wrote about Andre Drummond's impending free agency. And like, I just, I don't know what to do there. Cause I agree with you. It's like, if he's going to opt out and he's looking for a max contract, not that the Pistons necessarily have to give him max contract if they don't think he's worth it. Um, but if they don't, they risk him leaving. Um, but either way, they're going to, I mean, he's definitely getting over, like he's getting 20 mil a year, right? On his next contract. He's getting like 25 I, now, I think.
1: I don't, think so i don't i who's doing it i just look around the league i'm like which team doesn't already have a really good situation at the five and is gonna max him out like i don't know who that team is like the memphis grizzlies maybe
0: pair him with jaron jackson
1: yeah because i think that wouldn't be a terrible fit jaron lives on the perimeter anyway i think that's possible but like who is the team who is the team that's gonna max him out i literally every west team has a like I don't know Phoenix, no. Portland, no. Sacramento, no. San Antonio, no. Utah. No. Oklahoma City. No. New Orleans. No. Minnesota has towns. Memphis. Maybe. Lakers. No. Houston. Capella. Golden State. No. Denver. Jokic. No. Dallas. Porzingis. No. Like you just go up and down the list. I don't know where where he's getting that money. Like I there's like two teams, maybe that will that would make sense for him. It's like Washington (laughs) would make somewhat sense if they keep Beal. That's something you can sway me on. Um, New York. I was going to say New York, yeah. That's about it, right? Like, who else makes sense? There's no one else that jumps out to me of like, that makes perfect sense. He'd slide right in.
0: Uh, Charlotte's going to have some cap space next summer.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, it's gonna be Charlotte, isn't it? Charlotte's gonna max him out, and then he will have a Terry Rozier, Andre Drummond core. Oh God!
0: Who says no? You know, great when you when you compare those guys, to them, you do it. Um,
1: oh God!
0: I don't know, man. That... I I I want to like like. Uh, are we underrating Drummond? No, he's the best. He's the best rebounder in the league, right? Hmm like i here's my thing i wonder if like he's been every single year i feel like drum gets talked about as like if he takes the next step like he could be one of the like he's going to be one of the best centers in the nba like he has all tools all these kind of things like i wonder if if we've gone to a point where like we strip all that away and kind of not talk not like talk so much about his expectations what he could do and everything and focus on what he does do like i'm not saying he he deserves a max contract um but, like, I, I just don't know if he's, like, what, he's not worthless. He's certainly not worthless, right?
1: Um, I think all centers are basically worthless. And worthless in the sense that, like, you can find them anywhere. Like, you can find the right 3 and D guy wherever. Like, I would rather just keep signing Dwayne Dedman as my center for uh, the next 10 years. Like, I would just keep finding guys like that and just plug them in, rotate them in, rotate them out. They're the running backs of the, of the NBA now. I unless you have a unicorn like joellen or kp i just no thanks I, i i would never pay a lot of money and i just don't think if you look at the top of the west and the top of the east if you look at the best teams in basketball right now none of them outside of the the sixers are built around bigs all of them are built around elite guard play you look at golden state you look at portland you look at who oklahoma city was last year you look at um You look at uh, Milwaukee, you look at Boston, you look at just Washington before their injuries happen. You look at Toronto, like every team that's good and at the top of the conference are all built around their guards. They live and die with their guards. They live and die with their wings.
0: Did you say say Denver, by the way? Oh, and Denver too. Right. Denver's Jokic, obviously. Um, They're one of the the rare teams that's built around center.
1: I mean, I... But Jokic is basically yeah. a point guard too. He, he runs so much of their offense and so much of it goes through him at the top of the key. Like those are the special ones where they can do the other stuff that makes it worthwhile to invest in a big.
0: I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, like the, I, I still think a guy like Drummond has value, and obviously a lot of that the conversation around him, whether or not he's underrated or overrated, revolves a lot around his next contract and how much he's getting paid. Because I think if he's a guy that's getting like paid, you know, twenty plus million dollars a year then we can have the conversation about him. You know, you, you don't want to give a guy that kind of contract because you can find someone for half that amount of money who might be able to produce 80% of what he's doing. Right. And you, you do that every time if you're a team, cause then you have the options opening kind of upgrade in other, other situations. But I think if you're, if you get him on the right contract, like he does bring value to, to a team. Like I was saying, he's, he's the best. He's the best all around rebounder in the NBA. I think he averaged like five, six offensive rebounds per game last season um i i don't know i i think he does have value it's just got to be the right situation and maybe you're right maybe maybe the right situation isn't out there um but we also have no idea how things are gonna you know change and progress over the next six eight months and maybe a team does open up for him so i don't know
1: i'm out you can you can have all of your andre german stock i'm not investing um last two things um sean livingston retired um kind of sad I it is. I don't think we'll ever see another player like him. Is that a stretch? Like he was so unique. And I think there are no coaches and no teams that are like, that would allow someone like Sean Livingston to develop that way in 2019. Right? Like that kind of player isn't getting developed at 21, 22 years old, even in the G League or on any of these teams now.
0: I mean, he's just such a unique player anyway, right? I mean, what, it was mm-hmm. six seven. He's a six seven point guard. Yeah. Um, I mean, my gut says no, but who knows? Like, very well could be another big guy that comes along who, who does enough defensively and is a good enough shootout outside the paint that, like, there is value for him. Again, gut says no, but, like, I, I, I don't know if I'd rule it out. Um, but he's definitely a very unique player, and it sucks that, um, you know, that he did retire because he had such a good story, um, kind of coming up as this, this, like, point guard of the future in the NBA. Then he obviously suffers that devastating injury and then he completely changes his game, becomes this, you know, super backup, um, super important player to the Warriors and they run and everything like that. Um, so he, he has an awesome story. It, it sucks that it kind of ended the way it did, but, um, you know, he, he had a very memorable career. I have a question. Yeah.
1: If Ben Simmons has the same devastating injury, which I'm not wishing for, does he become Sean Livingston? no okay no i don't think okay so. i mean ben yeah, a simmons lot of the same is, like who you described there a lot of ben simmons traits
0: sure but ben simmons is also one of the best primitive defenders in the nba would you agree with that or one of the best i mean I living like, sim was, was a good defender man he was but he was never at the level that ben simmons is is he
1: was he no i don't think so like, I, know, I think they're I know a lot he, more similar than people realize. And it depends on what Benson does this year, shooting and things like that. And he's a better passer, better athlete. But, like, the way when you were talking about him, like, well, maybe that's who Benson is when he's a vet, when he's old. I mean, that's who he, he plays, like, Livingston at 35. I mean, Benson is like 6'10, though, right? Like, that exercise does help. Like, I at want the end to see them they, stand like, next to each other now.
0: But, <laughs> so, like, Sean Livingston was always going to be, like, a god, right? Like, there is... Uh-huh. Like the, the, there is, I know Ben Simmons has been compared to LeBron in the past, and like it's it's a ridiculous comparison
1: right, um, on hard, a lot George. of
0: on a lot of levels. But at the same time, like Ben Simmons is a god now, right? But also like he can play forward, he can kind of function as a center, um, and he's this guy who like at age thirty maybe he packs on like fifteen pounds and he's a full time power forward. You know what I mean?
1: Like mm, he has yeah, enough he down. in
0: his game where you can kind of yeah, exactly. You can move him around more than you could with someone like Joel
1: Embiid. I think that that's matters. For that's fair. That's fair. Sixers fans are going to be mad that I just compared him to Sean Livingston. Um, <laughs> the last thing. Should Tillman Tita ever stop talking? Because I'm here for it. Unbelievable word vomit this week on uh, ESPN. Uh, James Harden, best defender in the league when he wants to be. Just all kinds of great stuff from this guy um, who has a book called like, Shut Up and Listen. Just this guy seems like a joy and a treat to work for everything else. Like I hope this dude never stops talking. Well did you watch that?
0: Um I watched that that segment um and that quote about his defense did, did make me do a little bit of a double take. I don't know are we sure he wasn't just talking about him when he puts his mind to it being the best post defender in the league?
1: Even still, that's wrong.
0: It's wrong, but it's it's a, like it's not as wrong as saying he's
1: the best defender in the league. You right. know what I mean? Like he's but a even good in, like, post defender. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot more uh, post-defenders who I would take uh, over James Harden um, if I, the game was on the line and Joel Embiid just got the ball inside. like uh, My first option's not like, a motivated James Harden, let's throw him down there. I've never sure, had I'm that just thought. I'm saying
0: it's not like, as crazy to say that as is to say he when he wants to the best defender in the league, right? That's
1: all I'm saying. That's fair. It's just... What are you doing? Why are you going on this show anyway? What are you? Why are you talking? Like this is, this is not what they should be doing right now. None of this. I I don't know. This guy seems, um, eccentric would be the nicest way to frame it.
0: Yeah, I mean he's uh, adding to the expectations for the Rockets next season.
1: Um, and then saying Mike D'Antoni, he sees being the coach for like next three years after like dismantling his assistants and like being super petty about his contract and everything else like i just it comes off very disingenuous and i don't buy a lot of what he's saying it just feels scammy and i i don't know i i don't like any of the vibes from what i saw there
0: man the, the rockets are going to be fascinating this season that's all i'm going to say like they yeah, talked so about amazing. a new
1: defensive assistant who did they hire that is changing their defense like i don't remember them hiring i don't uh, know Jeff Bezedlick left and now he's on the Pelican staff, who was their defensive mastermind, and they let him go and Roy Rogers and everybody else. But who on the Rockets is he talking about that they brought in to be their new defensive coordinator? I don't even know who he was talking about. I don't remember seeing that.
0: I don't either. Um and I may know it and the names just slipped like slip my mind. I can't think about it right now, but no no one jumped out. I, I'm not sure.
1: I'm looking at it. I'm right trying now. to look it up. Yeah, so and I'm not seeing anything. This is all from last year. I don't see rockets yeah i don't know we have to figure this out this is how we wrap up this podcast who is the mystery guy <laughs> that he's talking about because um, like, i don't i don't know I don't, this is wild i'm looking at kind of uh, come on come on come on come on this is great radio scott has, all um, right
0: well i got a question for you while we figure this out then mm-hmm. um does anthony bennett make the make the team no you don't think so no i'm talking myself into it
1: i mean that'd be great all he does is like shoot threes now and i watch those g-league clips of him just knocking them down over and over again this is if he was ever gonna make a roster this is the team right that's what i'm saying and like they don't have obviously pj tuck is a stretch full for them
0: but like outside of that like there's a lot there's quite a lot of pressure on like gary Clark to kind of fill that role and I wonder if, like, if he's just lights out in training camp, I wonder if they do take him. They, they do keep him.
1: He must be talking about Elson Turner. That's the only one on this list. So right now it's Mike Dantoni, Elson Turner, Brett Gunning, and TR Dunn. But TR Dunn and Brett Gunning have already been there for a while. Um, right. Unless the only other person. It's got to be Elson Turner. But sure i guess maybe he's a yeah i i don't know but yeah that's who it is he's the top assistant that's who he's talking about
0: all right i guess we'll find out yeah there you go there you go it's on wikipedia it says he returns to rockets (laughs) as a lead assistant who's added who has been added to focus on running defense
1: yeah uh, i don't remember nba twitter being like yo jeff the nugget, uh, the uh, the Rockets just brought in uh, Elson Turner as the new replacement. There you go.
0: I guess we'll find out.
1: We will find out. All right, Scott. What should we check out from you on NBA Canada and everywhere else this week? Um, to continue our Jokic uh, conversation, I have I have a piece on why, more on why I think he's
0: going to be, um, why he should have a higher alternative MVP next season. I think that's going up tomorrow, so Thursday. Um. We've got a fun week next week planned. Uh, we're doing an NBA Jam week, so we're looking at duos all week long. Um, so we'll have a lot going on there. And other than that, man, we're just uh, we're just gearing up for the, the the season now. It's it's just around the corner. It's it's gonna be here before we know it.
1: I'm excited. I love fall. I love foliage. I love things changing. When the weather gets cool, I know basketball is right around the corner. We got football. Love football, but like the best thing in the world is when I have basketball and football to prioritize because i love the mixture so um and hockey hockey's back in my life so i get to stay up super late watching ducks be maybe decent this year but um yeah basketball is almost here camp is around the corner um scott rafferty thank you it's always a pleasure sir
0: thank you man i always have fun i appreciate it
1: all right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, um, where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work so chase Thomas podcast slash page hyphen 11 um so go do that read all my stuff listen to the podcast um all that good stuff uh also follow me on twitter at chase double underscore thomas uh like the facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and uh also follow me on instagram at chase double underscore thomas all right thanks so much guys and i will have another episode for you very soon nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah